Okay, question for you. How do you feel about not inviting me to your wedding? <laughs> your second wedding. My second wedding. I feel so bad. I hope you do. I do feel bad. And Terry feels bad. My mom feels bad. I'm sure my dad feels bad. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom, though. Here, we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission? Inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Are you sweating because you're talking to me? No, I sweat through all these things. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to say that we're going to have to cut out? (laughs) We're not cutting anything. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today I am here with my cousin, Michelle. Michelle and I went on a trip to St. Martin with her mom and then our husbands and Reese and Delaney came and we were planning on doing a podcast there because we always feel like every time we talk, it really should be recorded because sometimes it feels pretty profound or pretty just entertaining. But we never got around to it. But while we were there, we thought of questions that we should ask each other. So we're doing it now. I think a month later. I think we should just realize we're not going to be doing podcasts on vacation. No. We bring these mics. Like we both cram in our suitcases, microphones, and all this crap. And we knew we were never doing it. We were having too much fun. You did? Yeah, I did. I had had too many margaritas. I feel like... There were a lot of margaritas going down. All right. So let's go back and forth. So I'll ask you a question and then I'll answer it. And then you can ask me a question and we'll answer it. And we're going to be all over the place, guys. Okay. Do you want to go first or want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So remembering that we wrote about these when we were away, I did add a couple that you might not know now. Okay. So how do your stepkids feel when you travel without them? Well, I've never really asked them, to be quite honest, but I don't think they care. They've never said anything. And we travel with them, too. And they're at this age where like, everyone was invited to St. Martin if they wanted to come. But Madison was in school. Ethan's working. Yeah. Zach had just got back from a trip with his friends. So it just wasn't a trip. And honestly, they would have been bored out of their mind coming. So we haven't really ever talked about it, but we've always been very much like you get to do things when you're with your mom and Reese's life isn't going to be put on hold. So that's kind of been the mentality and they totally get that. You know, they've gone on trips with their mom that Reese doesn't get to do. And so we feel like it does kind of balance out. That being said, you know, we did go away last Easter when they were with their mom. Then we just went to St. Martin with Reese alone again. So you know, if we were to go away again with without them, then I feel like they would be like, what the hell? But we're doing Christmas away this year. I'm manifesting Christmas away. So with the whole family. So yeah, there's that. And honestly, a week with us away might be too much for them. They're teenagers and they're young adults. That's just not what they want to do. They would have either been really, really bored in St. Martin or they would have been gone and we would have been worried about them. <laughs> Where yeah. did they go? Too much freedom, too many bars on the street, 
Yeah, we would have been worried the whole time. Or they would have been just like out with Darren. And we would have been worried about them all. I've always loved how you guys have balanced that, to be honest. I think it's it's really admirable. I mean, obviously, I'm not in... I'm not a stepmom. I'm not in that space, but I've always looked at you and Darren and just been really inspired by how you kind of balance your family and everybody mm-hmm. truthfully seems so happy, which I think is amazing in that situation. Yeah. I think everyone feels good. And I feel like if they had an issue with it, they would feel comfortable saying it like for our anniversary, so our 10th anniversary in June, we're all going to where we got engaged and having like a big family weekend up there. So I'm really excited for that. All right. Your first question is, were you embarrassed when you got a divorce and how do you feel about it now? What are some tips you have for someone in who knows in their soul that their marriage is not for them, but are worried about what people would think? Oh, good one. You know, my divorce is not something I talk about very much. It was so long ago. Like it feels like such a different life. Was I embarrassed? I was extremely embarrassed. However, we have to remember I was married in 1997. We split up like three years later. This is like a long time ago. And I was still so young that the influence or impact of my parents was still really, really extremely important to me. And not that they're not important to me still, but at that time, I was really embarrassed for my parents. I felt sick to my stomach that my mom, who was a minister, had this divorced kid. Like I I really internalized that a lot. So I really had to work through that. However, I knew I did not want to be with this person as much as Jamie loved my first I did really love him. Jamie was very impacted by my first divorce or my first divorce, my only divorce. She spent a lot of time with us and he was a great guy. So there is just like absolutely no anger or animosity between my first husband and I, like not at all. We just were not meant to be together. So what are some tips for someone who knows, like you just have to realize, I remember saying to myself, life is either too short or too long to be stuck in this situation. Like it's too short Mm -hmm. to be with someone that you don't love, that you're not attracted to, you don't have the same goals and values. So for me, And for us, luckily, we both weren't happy. Like we both knew this is ridiculous. Why did we even do this? We don't have the same idea of what our life should look five years from now, let alone 25. So really for us, it was easy. There was no kids. It was really a clean break. You still have, you know, friendships dissolve because you had couple friends. You have you know, your house to get rid of. Like there's lots of stuff that goes on no matter what kind of divorce situation it is. But for me, it just made sense. I just knew I needed to get out of that situation before we kind of tried to make it better with a with a child or try to make it better with another house, like try to bandage it. I knew we just needed to get out. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. And I... I think, you know, worrying about what other people think. I don't think divorce is a bad thing. I love that people are having divorce parties now or, you know, if you're not meant to be with someone and they're not fulfilling you and you're not happy, Mm -hmm. you know, Darren pisses me off more than I ever expected that he would just marriage, but I don't want to wake up next to anyone else, right? He's Mm -hmm. the one who I want to be pissed at, (laughs) you know, and if you don't feel that, (laughs) then I don't know, choose your heart, right? 
Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I knew that I didn't want to be married to this person when I married him. So there's a whole other podcast episode. Like we had this huge wedding planned. And I mean, it was like the royal wedding. It was ridiculous. Like so the many royal people, wedding of so extravagant. Yeah, exactly. It was like the event. It was so insane. And I didn't want to disappoint anyone. But truthfully, that week, I was like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Why are you doing this? But here I was worried about what everyone else would think versus worrying about myself. And that's that's really something I've had to work on a lot throughout my life is like remembering that I matter first. And if I'm not happy, no one's going to be happy. So just something to think about for women that are constantly putting other people in the forefront instead of thinking about themselves. You know, there's there's a balance there for sure, but you have to become aware of how you're feeling and make the decisions that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Okay. Your next question. Something that I have always been so admired about you even though you're so much younger than me, but I've always admired this about you, is your self-confidence. You rock the self-confidence, which I think is amazing. Still at 48 years old, I don't have it. So how have you cultivated that? You think that? You've always thought that? I have always thought that. I know that in some areas you don't, but in a lot of areas like your your willingness to tell people like it is, your willingness to stay true to how you want things. It's self-confidence. And I think it's really cool. I admire it. Thanks. Um, I think I always had it, maybe. I've always been an advocate. I've always been someone who's like ready to, to say what I think. Like I even remember my dad, I think he was going to come spank me or something as a kid. And he was, I was in trouble and I deserved it. And I literally looked at him and I was like, you touch me and I will be called in children's aid. You know, how did I know that and do that at like <laughs> six years old, right? Like I just have always been that person. And, you know, I do think it probably came from this front. I've always, you know, had a lot of stuff to deal with like through my childhood and just kind of feeling like no one, you know, I always have those like abandonment issues and the not good enough issues and all of that. And I really do think I like masked that with this self-confidence but I do truly feel like in the last like few years, I actually believe I'm confident. So I guess make it to your make it is the response to that. But I have, yeah, always been like no bullshit. I will say what I want to say. And that's actually been one of my greatest gifts and biggest challenges at the same time. You know, the whole learning to think before you speak thing. It's, it has got me into some trouble too. So I don't know if that answers your question either, but I think I've always just kind of had it but it was a mask for a while. And now I think I have it. Yeah. I think it's a characteristic of our family that I did not get, but there are people in our lineage that have, have this confidence and I can totally see how it possibly does get you into trouble sometime. You've been there for it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. I've definitely been there, but I think it's attractive. I, I really do. And I always have. So yeah, I just want you to know that Jamie. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Full of the compliments today. Okay. You went back to school at 48. Oh, yes, I did. Yes. So I just finished my school. I went through for a nutritional therapy practitioner. Why did I do it? 
Well, for a couple of reasons. I never thought I could. I really grew up thinking that I wasn't smart enough to do school. I did not excel in school, in high school. You know, I went to hairdressing school and excelled there because it was creative. It was using my hands and I wanted to be there, but it wasn't scholastic. So I kind of have gone through my whole life thinking I just wouldn't be able to do something like that. So I have this, of course, keen interest in nutrition and someone that I admire a lot, a huge amount in my business went through for this um, certification And I just like thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. What do I have to lose? I think I knew internally I could do it. And I did. And it was challenging as heck. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I probably had stressed myself out way beyond I needed to, but uh, I did it. And I feel like so proud of myself. I have to tell you, (laughs) it's going to be one of those things on my list that I'm real glad I did. Mm-hmm. Well, because growing up, you had people kind of say things to you that made you question your own intelligence, right? And that you weren't academic or whatever. And those things stick with you, yeah. right? Like the, the stories we tell ourselves are based on the stories people have told to us about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more I think about my childhood and bless these people's hearts, like they were not trying to hurt me, but my grandmother, she was a teacher And what she did way back in the 70s is she actually tested kids' IQ, which is beyond me. Like, do they do that anymore? Like, I do not think so. But anyways, she would come and visit us. She lived uh, several hours away, and she would come and visit us, and she would take me to my room and test my IQ. And I failed miserably every single time. And every time she came, it was almost like, okay, she's got to pass this time. She's going to make it this time. And she did it and did it and did it. I think that really changed my personality. I think that made me quieter than I actually have wanted to be. It made me more insecure, more shy, and definitely I didn't think I was capable. And it all stems from this one little thing that happened when I was five, six, seven, eight. And I don't even know how many times. Like it feels to me like she did it 17 times, but it's probably twice. But that really scarred me. And everyone listening, you might have these things that it didn't even really come to me that that was the reason until I started working on my personal growth. And it was kind of like one of those memories that popped in and I was like, oh my gosh, wow. That's where that comes from. Just crazy. Yeah. Cause I've always thought you were pretty smart. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think we all have our gifts and our areas where we're really, really smart, but I definitely didn't think I had any. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what things have happened in your past and how it's really, really affects them, affects your future if you don't work on it. Okay. Next question for you. You speak very openly about your anxiety, which I love. What are some of the tools you have used that have really helped you specifically in the past couple of years? Because I'm just going to say this. I think that you have grown so much in the last couple of years. It's been I feel like I'm full of compliments for you today. You can pay me later. Yeah, keep coming. (laughs) It's been inspiring to watch you grow the last couple of years. I know you, and I know you have a lot of tools that you use and I'd love you to share them. Well, I'm pretty medicated would be the first. (laughs) No, I do have, I do take anxiety medication and 
that helps a lot. So that just gives me this new baseline, takes the edge off. And, you know, there's pros and cons to that, but it's just kind of gotten me to the place where I can do the work. So there's that. And I'm just really particular about what gets my time and energy now. And, you know, I can fall off the rails for sure and dwell on things that I can't control, but I've really started to work on that and just paying attention to how I feel. Like if I'm on Instagram and I've been on Instagram, kind of gotten a scroll for a couple of days, I can feel that in my body. I'm like, oh, okay, this doesn't work for me. I'm feeling extra anxious. Okay, so I delete Instagram off my phone for a little while. Like I'm just more aware of what the triggers were or triggers are. You know, I felt really triggered Mm -hmm. by dealing with my stepkid's mom for a while. And I took a backseat on that. I just stopped with the communication and let Darren handle that. So I just really kind of take myself out of situations where I'm going to feel really anxious. And I do Mm -hmm. feel it's really interesting. Like I've made some changes in the last even like week or so just on like how I'm doing things business-wise and that kind of thing. And It's interesting because we're in a really stressful time right now with business and with stuff with Darren and stuff with, you know, co-parenting things. And I don't have any anxiety. You know, I have feelings, but I don't have any anxiety. And it's interesting that, you know, when you're not continually putting yourself in situations over and over again that are causing you anxiety, you're like, oh, okay, maybe it was really environmental. And I think we need to really pay attention to that, like pay attention to our relationships, pay attention to the people that we're spending our time with, pay attention to how we're working, like what our routines are, because I can have days where I'm feeling really good. And then days when I'm super anxious and I've learned to be like, okay, like what was the deal then? Like, what did I do differently? And so I guess just being a little more self-aware, but I, I don't ever want people to be like, oh, she's done all this work and she doesn't have any anxiety like the edge is taken off by my, my anxiety meds. So that definitely helps. There's cons to that too. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. Like I don't cry when I should cry. So it takes some of that human emotion out of you, but I'll take that because it's better this way. Yeah. You and my mom talk about that all the time. I think you guys are on the same medication, right? Mm-hmm. And she talks about it a lot, like when my dad died, like she literally went years and didn't cry. So that is something that goes along with it. But I am all in favor. I think it's pretty cool how you just worded that. It takes the edge off to make me be able to be more aware because I think that's the key to all of this stuff. Like I can feel, I I don't have to be on medication, but I certainly can feel the anxiety come up if I'm on social media too much, or I have a situation, you know, a situation was come up in my life last week that was really, really stressful. But it's interesting after doing a lot of work and surrounding myself with the right people and surrounding myself with the right sort of information, I was able to kind of work through this in a different way than I would have like nine years ago, but it all starts with being aware. So I think that's cool that the The medication, that's what it does. It puts you in a space where you can probably kind of like breathe, take a breather and actually process it with awareness instead of frantic. Yeah. I'm not as frantic anymore. Like everything before, and it's something I've had to work on. And I think like every week I get better. It's still something I still work on, but things aren't an emergency. Everything felt like an emergency or I'd have to respond right away. But yeah, I think even really getting really clear on your relationships, like I've had to like minimize some relationships with members of my family just because, and and like what I see on social media, I've curated my social media feed. 
I don't think everyone in my life needs to be on my social media, period, right? Like if, if I see something on my social media and it's someone who has triggered me or said something or makes me riled up, like social media is my job too. Like that hijacks my whole day and productivity too. Yeah. yeah. So I have no problem deleting, muting, blocking. Like I, I very much like curate my experience. Yeah. I'm the same way. In January, I decided to do a social media detox, which has just carried into April. I got rid of everything that just sort of triggered me. And I don't allow myself to, to scroll anymore. And it's like, I sometimes ask myself, what was life like before you knew every single moment of every single person's day? We lived in that time where we didn't have this instant access and this instant like feeling of high or low because you're watching other people. And I can tell you getting off of social media and I work on social media too. So I have to be there. There's times I have to be there and I love it and appreciate it for what it's done for my life. But boy, if you're like finding yourself with your heart racing and you're feeling so overwhelmed or underwhelmed or comparing, check your social media time like actually do a little bit of a audit on how much time you're spending there. Cause that's probably the culprit. <laughs> yeah. And in the same respect, you know, like, so yesterday I was just drink, like had a long day yesterday after dinner, the dishes were still in the sink and I was just like whooped and I laid on the couch and I went through reels and loved every second of it. Yeah. You know, but I was intentional about it. I was like, I am going to lay here and I'm going to binge stupid shit. (laughs) And then I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to leave the dishes. So like there's a form of social media, which can be like self-care, right? Or I'm going to go find some outfits on Pinterest. But I think it's when you're constantly checking in throughout the day to look for a notification that there is no notification or it's not important. Then it's like, okay, check yourself. Well, especially for women listening that have businesses, I mean, really be careful. I could catch myself making a post and then like refreshing, refreshing. Who's liked it? Who's who's seen it? How many like that is like not productive. That is not productive for anything. So you got to just like be really careful. I personally love TikTok lately. I've been into TikTok, just like howling, laughing at some of the crazy stuff on there as like a self-care fun thing to do at night. So there is a place for it for sure. Yeah, for sure. I can't go on TikTok. I'm, I'm an Instagram girl. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. Okay, it is spring, which means it's time for spring cleaning. It's time for a life edit. Personally, I'm all about the life edit by my friend Krista Williams from the Almost 30 podcast. Her life edit program is a step-by-step program to help you embody your best self now. This isn't just about taking some old clothes to Goodwill and cleaning out that junk drawer. It is about taking action to attract what you really want in all areas of your life and creating physical and energetic spaces of your dreams. This program is for you if you feel disorganized and scattered, if your digital and physical spaces are cluttered, I'm raising my hand here, your health and wellness routines lack intention and purpose, you feel overwhelm, shame, and guilt when you think about your finances, You feel drained spending energy on people or things that aren't fulfilling you. You have old narratives about yourself that are blocking you from moving forward. You feel like your life doesn't reflect the person you truly are. 
In Krista's transformational program, there's a digital edit, a spatial edit, a financial edit, wellness edit, mental edit, relationship edit. There's a spiritual component. Basically, Krista is here to walk you through the edit of your life and to help you align with your highest self. Now you can get access to all of the individual edits together, or you can grab them a la carte. I am so proud to be an affiliate of this program because I know firsthand how impactful it can be. If you are ready to invest in yourself and become aligned with your highest self, you've got to check it out. Head to jamiescrimger.com forward slash life edit and use the code Jamie to get 20% off, which is freaking amazing. That's www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash life edit and use the code Jamie to get 20% off. You can also find the program on the almost 30 podcast website. Still there, you use the code Jamie for 20% off. I talk a lot about my morning routine, but my nighttime routine is just as important. When it's off, I notice a huge difference in the quality of my sleep and how I show up the next day. So here's the deal. I love to go to bed early. When we're done dinner, I'm usually completely off of social. I often delete it off my phone so I'm not distracted and don't have that urge. I'll do some reading with Reese, putter around, light a candle, clean up the kitchen, and just set the vibe for the end of the day. When I get into my bedroom, I plug in my phone across the room because I don't want to be tempted, and I get ready for bed. When I'm done reading my book, I crawl out of bed and turn on the Newcom Deep Sleep Journey. This is what puts me to sleep. The sounds and music is just, oh, I love it so freaking much. Newcom is such a huge part of my daily routine, and many times I use it up to twice a day. What used to be exclusively available to U.S. military, pilots, professional athletes, doctors, and cancer patients, and used to be a $6,000 FDA class three medical device can now be yours through an app. It gives you the power to change your state, manage stress and anxiety, focus, and find your flow. Backed by over 33 years of clinically proven patent neuroscience, this technology is so easy to use and so powerful. At night, I use the deep sleep journey. And during the day, if I need a reset, I use one of their daytime journeys. It just helps me refocus, manage my anxiety, find my flow, relax. And really, it's just everything I need to help me show up as my best. If you want to neutralize stress, restore sleep, and reach peak performance, you have to check this out. And Newcom has given a special offer to listeners of the podcast. So just head to www.newcom.com. That's N-U-C-A-L-M.com and use the code Jamie10 for 10% off. That's www.nucalm.com and use the code Jamie10 for 10% off. You're going to freaking love it. Okay. Question for you. How do you feel about not inviting me to your wedding? Your second wedding. My second wedding. I feel so bad. I hope you do. I do feel bad. And Terry feels bad. My mom feels bad. I'm sure my dad feels bad. Yeah. Backstory. It kind of leads back to doing things to please others. Terry and I got married in 2006, and we were having a very small wedding at my mom and dad's. And I, we couldn't have more than 100 people. In fact, that was like maxing it out. So I have, you know... 12, 14 cousins from both sides of my family. And I knew that I couldn't invite them all. So kind of the rule, you can't have one without all of them. So I had to make this choice of not inviting you and your sisters and brother. And it like, 
It's crazy to me. I know we talk about the wedding all the time and then you guys are like, oh, well, I wasn't there. And it's crazy to me that you weren't because the, the sad part is like my maid of honor, I haven't spoken to in nine years. My girlfriends that are were there and invited because our lives have just taken different directions. I don't really talk to them anymore. Yet you, I mean, we talk several times a day. So Yes, I feel bad. It's horrible. But that's kind of the reason. And, you know, just got to move on. <laughs> I know. I'm just I'm just giving you a hard time because I think it's funny now. You know, but I do think that's a really interesting conversation, doing what you think you have to do, especially mm-hmm. with weddings. Like you have to invite all these people or I have to invite all cousins, not one. And it, I think that is changing. I think, you know, the generation now is kind of like, why would I invite them to my wedding? I haven't talked to them in like however many years, you know, I don't have to invite some long lost uncle because he's my dad's brother, like that kind of stuff. So I do think it's cool where people are just being like very deliberate about their weddings. Totally. Um, but yeah, you were definitely stuck in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're like, why don't you come after work? I'm like in my jean skirt and in gator tank top after I served all day, you want me to show up at the wedding for a pity invite? I was like, no, you don't get me. <laughs> I know. Thinking back now, it just made no sense. Like it makes no sense. I, I do think I was caught in this time of, <laughs> you know, my first wedding was like so fueled by the right reasons and the aesthetically pleasing and all that kind of stuff. My first wedding, but my second, like, I think I was a little bit more forward thinking, but obviously I was still trying to do the right thing. Wrong decision. (laughs) I forgive you. Okay. Is there ever a time that the age difference between you and Darren is really noticeable, worrisome, or just plain weird. Okay. Noticeable. Sometimes it's noticeable when he makes jokes and I have no (laughs) idea what he's talking about. And he would have examples of this, but they don't even really register to me. So he'll refer back to something and I'm like, I have no idea what we're talking about. So other than that, I don't really notice it much. I think where it's getting more worrisome for me now, like he's going to be 51 in September and you just hear of people having heart attacks and like you've had, he's had a bunch of friends that have just like dropped dead or died or like something's happened. And I'm like, whoa, like what would happen if, like, how would I deal with that? And I don't know, maybe that would be still my thought if he was the same age as me. But I wonder about stuff like that. Sometimes I get a little worried, but no, I don't think like, I think there's like some things just generationally that I'm like, no, that makes you, you look like, like, or it makes me think you're old. Like, you know, the grooming downstairs, like there was like a generation who was like right into the bush. And then there's like a generation that was like, not so much. And, you know, we're in both ones. So it's like, you know, stuff like that. I don't think you thought I was going to go there, but you know, that had to be a conversation. Remember that conversation we had at my dad's bar about that? That was mind blowing to me. I am in Darren's generation on that one. Like just a full bush, eh? Yeah, I just don't even I understand. Can't even. I can't even understand how you go to that much work like so often. <laughs> I don't get it. I can't. You know what I got Darren for Christmas is the manscape. Oh, really? So he's he's like a whole. It's a whole like get rid of that situation. And I literally said, if you want to be doing that with me, this has to be addressed. Like this is a no. 
So then like you can tell when he wants to get it on because I can hear the zzzz like in the kitchen <laughs> or not in the kitchen, in the bathroom. Oh, God. <laughs> so, the okay. What about like the generation we're in right now? What are they doing? Do we know? Yeah, th- we do know because my sister Brittany was over and she was in the bathroom and we have like a ledge from the shower where one of my stepson's showers and there was a razor there from inside the shower and she came out and she's like, Oh my God, how does that make you feel? And I, I was like, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> so I, I think, I think the bush is dead. I don't think we're, I think it's gone. There's no, we're all trimmed up. Uh, well, I don't know. See, I don't know because there's just this whole movement of like women free and not shaving and not do, like all that kind of stuff as well. Right? Yeah, I feel a lot more free without being trapped in a bush. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. But that's there to protect you. Yeah, I, I feel very protected. <laughs> I'm actually like trying to do the laser to just get it all gone. So it's like gone forever. Yeah. Is that painful? It doesn't feel great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand why you'd want to because that is a lot of upkeep. That's a lot of upkeep. All right. That went sideways fast. <laughs> Okay. So you're very healthy. You, you know, have done this course. You're very into learning about hormone health and gut health and all the things you've basically ruined anything I love to eat for me now, because I know how bad it is and what's doing to my body. But can you explain why sunflower and canola oil is bad? I I look on their ingredients now I'm making my own dressings, trying to do all the things. And I kind of curse you every time I do it. Mm -hmm. But it's like stuff you can't unsee. But can you just explain why our oils are important in a very easy way to understand? Yeah, very easy way. So I'm as basic as they come because I actually don't, my memory doesn't retain much of the scientific stuff anyway. So first of all, I get that. It is frustrating, right? Like I can't unsee any of this stuff either. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, take me back to when I didn't know any of this because life was a lot simpler. But unfortunately, most of us are walking around. Let's just talk about women for an example. And yes, I'm healthy, but I still have a lot of hormonal issues that I'm trying to balance out because of all these choices that I made in the past. And when I say choices, it was just what was available to me. I didn't know any different and neither did anyone else. So now that we're getting more of this information, we can kind of arm ourselves and heal ourselves, which is the great thing, to having more energy and being, maybe it's weight loss, but mostly it's like energy and sleeping better and living longer. So the oils specifically, at baseline, there's nothing wrong with sunflower oil, canola oil. There's nothing wrong with any of them if they were processed properly. So what happens with these oils is they have to go through such tremendous amount of processing for them to be able to get to the shelves that by the time they get to the shelf at the store, they're already rancid. And when you put a rancid oil into your body, it throws off the balance of fats that we need in our body. It throws off this ratio. So we we need omega-3s and we need omega-6s. All those oils are omega-6s. We get a whole bunch of those oils in like ultra-processed foods, but we don't get enough of like omega-3s. 
So that's kind of the problem. Like baseline sort of explanation is you can see arguments that there's nothing wrong with these oils. And there isn't if you happen to come upon a type that's been processed properly, which is impossible. You can't process them without all of these like discolorations and through all these different processes that by the time they get to us using them, they're so rancid. When you've got rancid oils in your body, they just throw your hormones completely out of whack. They congest your liver. And when all of that is happening inside your body, you just have, you're unbalanced. And that's why women are inflamed, carrying extra weight, not sleeping at night, overwhelmed. They've got skin conditions. And that's where it's all stemming from, not just from oils, but just all this stuff that we've allowed ourselves and we're kind of paying the price now. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what kind of oils do we need? Avocado oil, olive oil, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, ghee, another type of like butter. What the hell is ghee? It's kind of like a butter consistency, but it's actually got the dairy taken out of it. So you can use that. I don't Uh. actually like the taste of ghee, so I never buy it. I I buy grass-fed butter. And you know, the cool thing is there's stuff coming to our grocery stores all the time now. So you can find grass-fed butter at your store, extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, all of those things are really great choices. And it's because of how they can be processed. They can just be processed very naturally where the others need all these different chemicals to make it happen. That's really why they're bad for us. Or not the best choices. No one likes me to say they're bad for us, but they're not the best choice. And our bodies are full of them because like you just said, they're in everything. If you like hear anything Mm -hmm. when I talk, it's just look at the ingredients list. Look at what you're putting into your body. I know, Michelle, I have been and it's a lot of work, but I am grateful you educate me. I'm just lots of sunflower oil out there. There's a lot of sunflower oil. Yeah. Okay. Ask me something. You have such a great podcast. You get so many awesome guests. Who has been your favorite podcast guest so far besides me (laughs) yeah obviously Uh, I really like Krista Williams of Almost 30 I could talk to her forever and I really admire their podcast and they've really taught me a lot just in terms of building the podcast but I really like talking to Darren I think Darren's my favorite podcast guest like I if he would just do a podcast with me every week you guys would be good I'm at that. I'm say that's probably not going to happen. Maybe when he retires. I know. I think we would. We, th- we talk about what we're going to do down the road. But yeah, I like I just like talking to Darren because I think it's actually really good for our relationship because sometimes things come out and he's like, I, and I didn't know he felt that way, but we're just in such a safe space and a very open listening mindset that we can get it out in kind of a joking around way. Whereas I think in real life, I'd be like, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Almost 30 podcast as well. You've sent me different ones of theirs and it's really good, but you and Darren do have a very good online sort of presence. Like your back and forth is really good. There's your retirement goals. Mm -hmm. I think that's our presence in real life though. That's just us talking in real life, calling each other out. Yeah, definitely. Okay. This next one is from aunt Susan. So that's your mom. She wants to talk about our friendship age gap. When did we become friends? Well, the age gap is what, 12 years? 
I'm 38 or I'm 48. <laughs> You're 37. When did we become friends? I don't know. When did we become friends? I think around when Darren and I got together. Yeah, probably. Like 10 years ago, we became really close friends. Like you, you stood up at my wedding. Yeah. Maybe a few years before that. But I think at that point, you were always still my older cousin. But I think now we're more friends. I think we are both in like the online space. And I've spent a lot of time at your house, just like my whole life. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Do you notice the age difference now? N- not remotely, like not at all. I mean, I guess when I was with my first husband, it was definitely, I was the older cousin, older sister. That's what I just always felt like, but not now. It's just like, well, I still feel like you're my sister, but it's more just a relationship. It's a friendship. Yeah. Like you're one of my best friends for sure. I can trust Mm -hmm. you. I can really dump anything on you. And, and what I love about our relationship is you don't bullshit back. You always tell the truth, which I love. Yeah. Remember when we got in our fight in St. Martin? (laughs) Yes. We got into a fight. We did. I was having like a bit of an issue, bit of a breakdown. Was it a fight? It was an argument. It was an argument. It was ridiculous. I just got a little spazzy and (laughs) yeah. It was good though. (laughs) So Michelle is like dealing with something. She's asking for my advice and she says she admires me for being confident and straightforward. (laughs) So I'm telling her my advice confidently and straightforwardly. And then somehow you kind of snapped at me back and I just kind of let it slide. And then once you kind of calmed down, I said, well, are you going to apologize to me now? And I was just joking. And you're like, well, are you going to apologize to me? And you like (laughs) storm out of the room. I was like, okay. (laughs) And then she comes back in the room a couple minutes later. She's sitting there. She's not making eye contact with me. And I'm just staring at her (laughs) and smiling. (laughs) Just trying. And I'm like, are you done being mad now? Are you over it? (laughs) And that's very much my style, actually. And I know a lot of people don't deal with that. I'm like, say it how it is. Get it out. Don't be mad. Move forward. And I can tell, like, I get that that's not how most people process things, but. That was funny. We had margaritas to drink. You had to yeah, move we on. we had to move on. And that was good because I can, I can be the type of person to hold it inside. And then it just festers and it's like not healthy. So. Yeah. That was good. And then we laughed about it. I think that was like a real good breakthrough in our relationship. It's good. <laughs> I know. I was like, do you want to hold hands? And they're like, No. God. We did a lot of holding hands. So when we go away or for the last couple of years, my mom and Jamie and I have gone ahead of time. Well, the first year it was just us that went. And then this year we went ahead of time. So there's always like a lot of, I don't know, deep moments for my mom, for all of us. It's really good. It's like debriefs. Yeah. Debriefs, lots of mojito margaritas, a lot of talking. It's so good. So therapeutic. Wine. Yeah. Wine. A lot of wine therapy. Okay. All right. One more question. I'll, I'll ask the last one. What's your biggest piece of advice for women that are wanting to make a pivot in their careers? Huh? I think you just need to know you got to work for it. Right. And I think you have to be prepared to do the work. So if you want to do something, do something. Don't worry about what anyone is going to think. Stay true to yourself. But I do think you should be able to 
wake up in the morning and do what you love. That being said, you're not going to always love what you do, right? You're going to love aspects of it and you need to love more than you, you don't. But yeah, I think that's, that's my biggest thing is just like, go for it, but know you're going to have to grind because there's a lot of talk online and there's a lot of posts online about, you know, I had a seven figure month or I had a six figure month or, you know, I have all this balance where I don't work on weekends or I don't work on like after a certain time or whatever. And, you know, it's great if you're doing what you need to do and you're efficient with your time. But there comes a time when you first start a business that there's hustle. Like I have been up every morning since I started this business at five o'clock in the morning. I have a lot of freedom and flexibility but I also worked my ass off and you have to be prepared to do that. But I do think you also have to listen to your gut. Like if you constantly have an idea, keep popping in your head, or you keep having like a fear or insecurity or think something's off or you want to make a change and that keeps popping in, like that's a ping from the universe. And it's like, okay, what am I being told right now? You have to listen to those things and know that, you know, it might not happen overnight, but really just kind of going all in. Because there's, I guess maybe this is the third thing. There's a lot of talk online about like manifesting. Oh, I'm manifesting my dream life. I'm manifesting this and you know my vision board and all the things. That's awesome, right? I love a good vision board. I got a great one on my phone right now as my screen saver. It reminds me of what I'm working towards. But if you're not doing, you know, inspired action behind that, then I don't think it's going to happen. You know, like there's a whole element. You still got to do stuff. And life is expensive. And if you want to do things and have fun and have freedom, there's grind there too. So I think that would be my jumbled advice. No, I think that's really good advice. I mean, both of us have created businesses in the last seven, eight, whatever, many years, and both are really, really successful. But I sometimes think the piece that people miss is how much work it takes. Like the hustle, the grind. And there's always going to be seasons of that. Like even to the spot that I've got my business, people think I can just lay off. And there have been lots of, there's been a couple of years that I've been able to coast, but then you always come to another season of having to push again. Like you really always are going, that's what's being an entrepreneur is being self-aware enough to know, okay, it's time for a push season again. And it's time to reevaluate where's this going? What do I want? The other tip or thing I would say, and we actually talked a lot about this in St. Martin, is evaluating the lifestyle like making sure that if something's kind of nudging at your heart, but maybe it's not going to bring you the income that you're used to, make sure you also evaluate the lifestyle that it may provide for you because that's worth dollars and cents as well. Like I think it's like evaluating everything when you're about to make a pivot. It shouldn't just be about the money. Is it going to afford you a different type of lifestyle? That's what it was for me. It wasn't dollars and cents that brought me here. It was a less stressful lifestyle, which I think is really important. Yeah, for sure. Darren and I talk about this a lot because Darren is obviously, he's the breadwinner. He makes 
way more than I do. And, you know, this started as a side gig and kind of a hobby, and then it's turned into something. And there's periods where I'm hustling, like I'm in a hustle period right now, like I'm grinding right now. And it feels super aligned and I'm really happy about it. But there's shifts that are about to take place in this business as well. And the vibe of your home too, right? Like understanding that, you know, for both of us to be super stressed out, the kids pick up on that and that kind of stuff. So like really thinking about, yeah, it's nice to have the money. It's nice to have all of that. But like at the end of the day, how do you want to feel? And is the money piece that important? Do you actually need it? Right. And then there's times when you do, like there's times where it didn't matter how we felt. We had to work our ass off because we had to pay our bills 100%. But I do think the lifestyle piece is also something to consider. Yeah. I think it's really important. My husband's in that space right now. Terry's in that space. And I would just admire him so much because he puts a lot of value on the lifestyle where he could make one decision freedom. and probably, yeah, like he just loves the freedom and flexibility, which I think is so cool. I admire big time. Good answer. Okay, cool. Are we putting this on both of our podcasts? Yeah. All right. So we'll just link everything that needs to be linked in the show notes. This is going yes. on Michelle's podcast. You have a podcast. I have a podcast. So good. All right. Well, I love you. Remember I was telling you, I have to say I love you when we get off the phone like the Kardashians because it's just like so nice. Yes. Love you too. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review, it would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews and coaching sessions and live Q and A's and just exclusive next level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership and I'll see you in there.